This is episode number two of Road to the Show podcast with today's guest being a former big league center fielder turned coach in the Cleveland Indians organization, Jerry Owens. In this episode, he's going to really break down the fundamentals of playing center field and outfield for that matter, talking about fielding, throwing, communication, mindset, and much more. He's also going to share with you the offensive side of being a speedy outfielder, hitting in the leadoff or nine-hole spots, the approach, the game plan that goes with it, and he'll even touch on the importance of base running as well. What's going on? I'm your host, Danny Prowlis, former pro ball player turned coach, entrepreneur, and I'm here to provide all the tools and resources I can to help you reach your potential. Each episode, I'll have players and coaches from the highest levels in the game to give you the best information, advice, insight, and tips to help you reach your goals in this great game of baseball. I appreciate you tuning in today. Now let's get the show started. Welcome aboard, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Appreciate no, I'm, I'm excited. Briefly talk to us. Give us a little background on uh, on your story. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, ever since I was a little kid, I've been playing sports my whole life. Um, one thing that was really cool when I was young is that I got to play a bunch of sports and not just one. I know mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the way things are going nowadays, a lot of kids are only playing one sport from the time they're five years old until high school, college, whatever. Uh I was fortunate to be to be able to play a lot, and it, I think it's really beneficial to development. Um, it was really cool for me. You got to, and I kind of got to choose as I got older what I liked and what I didn't like, uh, and was able to kind of stick with those things. Um, played baseball into high school. Uh, two years, my first year of high school, played baseball. Then I actually quit baseball to focus on football and basketball um, after my sophomore year of high school. Uh, to the, okay. <laughs> the dismay of the varsity baseball coaches there <laughs> i'm sure um, right <laughs> they they weren't happy about that and they actually told me uh when i went in and told them they said like you're gonna regret this decision um and whatnot and you know at that time for me you know my high school was very good in baseball as well but uh football was it you know friday nights fifteen thousand people uh at, from a 16 year old kid's perspective for sure um, you know, as opposed to Tuesday afternoon with nine parents at the game. So mm-hmm. I chose football and, uh, went on to play <laughs> in college for a couple years. And I was in, I was playing football at UCLA for, for played there two years. Playing at then, UCLA, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let, let, let's, let's just like, just rewind a second. You weren't some, you know, kid just trying to play all these sports just to play them. I mean, you were an athlete, man. And it makes sense why you were a center fielder and, you know, the baseball coaches were a little sad because I mean, yeah, you're, you're just a stud, man. And to be able to go and play college football at UCLA, let alone the rest of your story with baseball is just pretty amazing, man. So go ahead, continue. <laughs> I was, yeah, man, I was very blessed to have the opportunity to play as, as a kid. And, uh, like I said, getting able to play, being able to play all of them was huge, uh, you know, and kind of been able to choose. So, so yeah, I chose football, uh, went to UCLA, uh, played football there for two years. I didn't realize going there, how big and fast they were and mean, <laughs> um, and I remember sitting in my apartment uh, one day uh, after my it was like the summer between my second and third year there, and watching Tory Hunter uh, rob home runs on Sports Center, <laughs> and I was like, man, like I, I kind of miss baseball. I started missing it. Uh, you know, I started trying to figure out how I could do both at UCLA if that would be even be an option. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I hadn't played since my sophomore year of high school, they, the baseball coaches at UCLA were like, we don't really know who you are. Like you can walk on over here and maybe <laughs> pinch run every once in a while, but cause you're fast, but you know, we're not sure. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, fast forward a year uh, or fast forward about a month going into fall camp of 2001, um, at, at playing football. And I just kind of decided I called my mom and I was like, I think I want to play baseball instead of football. Just like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. Like I was praying yeah. a lot about it, man. I was, I was, uh, seeking guidance, uh, from my parents, from God. I was, I was just trying to figure out, you know, where he wanted me at that time. Absolutely. And, um, so, you know, I, I called my mom, she almost, she almost passed out. Cause she was like, wait, you're going to leave UCLA. Like, she's like, can't you just stick it out and just get an education? And uh-huh, of I course. mean, <laughs> typical you, parent you know, <laughs> yeah. playing, of course. You know, playing ball at the professional level, like you have, like, you know, the grind, like, you know, the oh, work yeah. that you have to put in. Oh, yeah. And at mm-hmm. that time I was like, mom, I can't just stick out, stick this out. I mean, yeah. it's not something I, I want to do. I, I want to be playing i want to be contributing you know like mm-hmm. i'm not just going to stick it out so um decided uh, to make the decision to switch sports and um praise god there was an opportunity for me to play baseball at the master's college uh in southern california it's in newhall california i was gonna say it's newhall yeah yep okay. and it's now called the master's university oh there you um, go Ma- you, ma- now it's a university <laughs> <laughs> yeah. back then it was called the master's college so uh and a quick little tangent to this is when I first transferred to, uh, to play there, I, I transferred to pitch. I was going to be a pitcher. Oh, so pitcher, really? Okay. I, I went, I went there, uh, and threw a bullpen for the coach and he's like, yeah, you know, we, uh, we'd like to, we'd like to bring you on board. So that fall, so the, this is now the fall of 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I transfer schools, I enroll at masters and I'm pitching for in the fall during fall ball. And man, like that, that home plate is tiny. I, I couldn't find it. I could not find it. I, I don't know what was going on. Much respect to all the pitchers out there. Right? Yes, much, much respect, man. It's far away and it's tiny. So, uh, so my coach actually pulled me aside after about a month and a half. He was like, Hey, he's like, uh, you know, you know, can you play, you know, we, we'd like to see you in the outfield, you know, um, he's like, you don't, you don't throw enough strikes to pitch. So, <laughs> yeah. Coach, I can like, run though. Right. Yeah. And he's like, you run too fast, you know, like, so whatever. So, um, he put me in the outfield, the rest of the fall ball. And then I, you know, played the outfield the, the next two years there at school. Did he put you in and center? He put you in center field, right? Yeah, I was in center. Oh, yeah. I kind of moved from center to left. Um, but I really kind of looked at him and was like, I really want to play center field. You know, mm-hmm. like, I really feel like that's where my natural spot is at. Um, sure. although I was willing to play wherever he wanted me to play, but, um, <laughs> I center feels more, you know, for me, center field was the, is the best position on the field. So, um, you know, I, I, it's a blast to play out there. So I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to play center field. Uh, so now fast forward two years, um, had a couple good years there, uh, and then was drafted 2003 by the Montreal Expos. That's right. I'm dating myself. Expos. So for all these younger uh, players out there listening to this, <laughs> I, they might not even know who the Expos or what the Expos were, right. but uh, AKA the uh, Washington Nationals, right? That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> so it was actually, I was drafted in 03. The Expos became the Nationals in 05. So two years after I was drafted, they, yeah. they moved to Washington. Uh, played you know was with them for a short season and a full season um played in short season a ball and then in low a in 2004 and then was traded um 
to the White Sox right before spring training of 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, was fortunate to get an opportunity in the White Sox organization. I skipped a level. Uh, they they moved me from low A to double A, which is kind of uncommon, and I was really fortunate. Especially at that time, too, if you really think about it, you know, a lot of these younger players now are moving so quickly. But back in back in back in those days, right? Right. You know, right. and I remember coming up, you know, at around you know not that time, but close to your time, but. Things were moving a lot slower through the system, so for you to move like that, that was very unconventional and common. So that's yeah, yeah. And, and during those days, um, I remember my first year in AAA was 2006, and we had a 21 year old on our team, and it was like a huge deal that he was already in AAA at 21. Of, of and course, now everyone in AAA is 21. It seems like yep. so. Um, so yeah, you, you kind of went through the the progression, um, and there wasn't a ton of movement at the different levels either. It was, you know, you're there for a year yeah. and then you move up the next year and yeah. you're there for a year and you move up. Now it's like you're there for a month, you move up, you have another good month, you move up again. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's good for the kids nowadays because they, you know, they're on fast tracks. So it's it's cool. They get, get a chance to play at the higher levels quicker. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Continue with so, that. So, yeah. So I was with the White Sox from, uh, I, I was, my first year with them was 2005 in double A. Uh, moved up to AAA in 06, uh, got, was blessed and fortunate to make my major league debut on September 11th, 2006. Wow. September uh, 11th, huh? Yeah. Dang, yeah, man. Kind of a, a, a crazy date. Um, you know, as, as we all know, yeah, um, of course. and it was really cool that, uh, we were in Anaheim. So my whole family oh. got to be there, um, for that, which was really special to me. Uh, my grandparents were there. Like my grandpa was like, now I can pass away my, right my that's amazing dude leaves. that's yeah. amazing that's i mean yeah. that's something that just every kid dreams of right there right. that's awesome right. the, man the way it worked out man was just such a blessing uh it was it was so cool um so nice and then uh played with the white Sox. uh i was parts of four seasons in the big leagues from 06 to 09 2007 i was in the big leagues um i played uh, I'm going to pretend like I have to think about it, but I know all my stats. So uh, <laughs> I played 93 games in 2007 uh, in, in, with the White Sox and uh, was awesome. I got a chance to play every day and, and be an everyday player in the major leagues, which was a dream come true. Of course. Um, 2008 was a September call-up, um, and 2009 I got called up in April. And then after that, uh, put on waivers in 2009 – Signed with Seattle Mariners. Um, I played uh, the year in AAA, Tacoma, Washington, with them in 2009. Um, 2000, mm-hmm. that season ended. They didn't re-sign me. Uh, 2010, I signed with the Nationals. Kind of came full circle. Uh, got hurt in spring training. 2010, had surgery on my arm. So uh, didn't didn't uh, miss the whole season. They didn't re-sign me after that. And yeah. then that was kind of the end of my career in the States, affiliated. Mm-hmm. Um I actually didn't play for I didn't play I was on the AAA roster for the Nationals 2010 but didn't play because I was injured um 2011 yes rehab uh 2011 and 12 I didn't play I was out of the game and uh, I was contemplating retirement two years off yeah I took two years off and then uh got in touch with my agent kind of in the summer of 2012 and was like, man, I'm, I miss it again. You know, <laughs> yeah, got that, you got that itch, <laughs> got that itch. And I was like, I want to keep playing. So he put me in touch with, I got, I got an indie ball job. Uh, this is actually where the last time I ran into you, yep. um, <laughs> when we Cross were, paths. yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
2013. A, that was good. That was 2013. That was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, got a chance to play in the Atlantic League with the Lancaster Barnstormers 2013. And then from there, from 2013 until I retired in 2016, uh, so... 13 and 15 i played indie ball in in the atlantic league 14 and 16 i played max in the in mexico in the summer Mm -hmm. and then the winters of 13 14 15 and 16 i played in mexico so winter ball in mexico and and for those that have been around this game long enough know know how different ball is down south of the border (laughs) (laughs) yes so it's it's crazy yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's a different game it's it's fun i mean the fans it's i i describe it like it's a party and there just happens to be a baseball game going on at the same time (laughs) i mean the fans are nuts uh they love their sports they love their their teams and uh yeah it's a blast for sure and that's awesome and then which leads into what you're doing now yeah, so now um, after I retired in 2016, I was uh, fortunate to get a job with the Cleveland Indians as a coach. Um, got hired there the first year, 2017 season. I was the bench coach in AAA Columbus, mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome to uh, to experience that and be around that group. Uh, and then this past season, 2018, I was the manager uh, for – we have two rookie ball teams in the AZL, in the Arizona League. Okay. Um, so I was the manager of the younger of the two teams this past summer. So, uh, nice, nice. A, or AZL two, we called ourselves AZL two. AZL2. So, yeah, the Indians, AZL two Indians. So, and I'm sure that was a big transition from AAA being a bench coach to a manager of a bunch of young guys fresh out of either you know probably high school, right, or or Man, or the Dominican yeah. or something like that. <laughs> so high school plus the Dominican. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's. Um, we the first actually first two weeks of the season we didn't i think there were maybe one guy one american guy on the team so yeah. they were all from the dr uh, <laughs> or venezuela and uh it was i mean the the, the contrast was was very different from triple a to that level as you can imagine triple oh. uh, a is more of a maintenance I'm, a, I'm coaching like hey what do you guys need if you need anything i'm here Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you want to work on? Let's, you know, I can help you with little things like that. And then obviously using uh, the experience that I have with positioning and, you know, defensive positioning and um, reads and, and preparation and all that stuff helps with those guys. The, the rookie ball guys, it's more of like, Hey, here's what we're going to do today. Yeah. Um, and here's what we have to learn or here's what we have to get better at. So uh, yeah, the contrast was, was very stark. <laughs> but, I can imagine, right? <laughs> but it was both both places were awesome. Uh, That's good. Be, being with the young guys, it's like it's like they don't know any better yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they're just happy to be there, and and they have that. They just have that energy. Uh, I always joke with them and told them they keep me young. Yeah. I'm not that old, but they, no, they no, keep no, me young. So well, that's good. You know, and you're you were like their first taste of pro ball, and that gutting light for them in this their their first chapter of pro ball so you have a lot of influence in that position you know um as their manager so it's you know going from triple a bench coach maintenance phase to being more of that leader and kind of guiding them and showing them the ropes you know from the very beginning so yeah yeah and it's it's it goes beyond baseball too um, of course you know and, and granted when, when we were 18 i always try to put myself in their shoes whenever i think about something that's going on and 
you know, the only thing that was in front of me when I was that age was baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's all I cared about. Um, I was going to play for 20 years. I was going to make hundreds of millions of dollars, <laughs> you know, the whole thing. Right? Of course. Yeah. And so trying to give them a little bit of perspective on, um, you know, don't make the game too big of a deal. You know, mm-hmm. like this is what you do. It's not who you are. Yeah. Uh, and and that was that was kind of a learning thing for me, too, because I had to go in there. And, and like you said, like having that kind of different role as far as like. It, it's baseball coach it's chaperone it's father figure it's friend, mentor it's mentor <laughs> yeah. it's all that stuff you know mm-hmm. and um it was awesome i mean we had a, we had an amazing group of kids and um it was a blessing to be able to to do that for them this this past year that's great man i, I mean i can only imagine you know if i put myself in those kids shoes i mean i would love to play for for you know coach um like you know, like yourself you know just being on the same field playing against you the experience that we've had against each other mm-hmm. i mean just that leadership those leadership qualities and the knowledge you have of the game is um it's you know it's it's some of the best so it's i could just i can only imagine though so that's awesome man i'm ha- i'm happy for you dude i appreciate it so, man thank you so. i was very blessed to have a lot of um a lot of guidance coming up and and a lot of definitely. amazing coaches that i've learned a ton from so that was that was a big thing for me definitely definitely so moving on and getting just getting now really into outfield talk and um, kind of into like the meat of this talking about center field in particular and and, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's your bread and butter right there what exactly is it with the center fielder's role you know i know a lot of guys think well i'm, I'm fast and and you know I want to play center field. I, you know, I want to be out in center field because I'm fast type thing. Right. You know, just to start off, what is the center fielder's role? Uh, I mean, besides the catcher, um, you're kind of the captain of the defense. Um, you can see every, everything is in front of you in center field. Uh, the right and left fielder are somewhat in front of you peripherally. Obviously, the whole infield is in front of you, the pitcher, the catcher, the hitter, um, all the bases, base runners. Mm-hmm. So, you're, you have that, that, and you said the word earlier, that leadership role of as far as kind of directing traffic, um, you know, from, from that position. Um, and that a lot goes into that. Uh, you have to know every hitter. You have to know, like uh, we talked earlier, um, not this conversation, but before about, you know, knowing your ballpark, um, things like that. Like you have yeah. to know all these things because you can see everything, everything is is tangible to you so um to be able to help out your guys uh and put them try to put them in the best best positions they can be in to make a play also definitely definitely and then kind of moving into that positioning talk everything is in front of you so you being outside of the catcher you know that that other captain on the field right up the middle positioning knowing your batter the situation knowing your pitcher all those sorts of things really really play into effect with where you position but not only where you position yourself but also the communication that you have with your outfielders in positioning them as well correct yeah yeah i mean you have you have a lot of people that you're responsible for i guess you could say (laughs) of course Uh, you know if depending on the game plan um like all of this stuff in the outfield starts with preparation you Mm -hmm. have to know your opponent um, before you take the field. And it's tough because up until you get now a days in the minor leagues, um, the, the scouting departments are a little bit more advanced. Obviously the big leagues you're getting, you know, every, 
I mean, you know what the guy, you know, how many hours the guy sleeps at night before you take the field. You know what I mean? Like, you know, everything about him. Um, at the lower levels, you know, the amateur levels, college, high school, um, travel ball, stuff like that. It's hard to know your opponents. So, uh, for me, it would always start with preparation. I try to find out as much as I could about them. And that comes from watching, uh, you know, that comes from asking questions. Maybe we played against them last week. Maybe we played against them a month ago. I remember this guy, here's what he did. Um, so having an idea and being prepared, um, and then taking that preparation and, and applying it to, you know, having conversation, you know, with the outfielders, Hey, we're going to play Smith, you know, three steps to the pool side. I'm going to tell you that before the game so that we don't miss two pitches before we figure it out, you know, and then he hits the ball in the gap or something like that. So, um, just the community, like preparation and communication are both huge when playing center field. You have to let people know uh, where to be. And part of that is taking responsibility for the mistakes that happen too. So if a ball falls in, I'd be the first one to raise my hand and be like, that's on me. You know, like I should have had him in that position or, you know, um, or hey, I, I I messed that one up or or whatever. Yeah, um, definitely. So just being 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 accountable, like you just said, and just, just exactly. saying, listen, like I am the leader out here. Something right. falls apart, it's on me. You know, so right, right. definitely agree, hundred percent. And, with and you. also too, it's it's one of those things where you can't force people to do things. So I'm going to give you the information that I have. You know, you can take and do with that what you want. So it's like, and hopefully we're on the same page. But for instance, to, to be more a little bit more specific, if if I'm playing a guy, a left-handed hitter to the opposite field side of second base, I'm going to tell the right fielder, "Hey, I'm over. I'm moving over. So I'd like you to come with me." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you don't, you know what I mean? Then that's that's on you. So I'm for you so know. for 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 these younger guys that are listening, you know, outfield talk, you know, being a center fielder, I know what you mean, but you know. I'm going to play this lefty um, a few shades over, you know, uh, to the opposite side and like the left center gap, let's say, mm-hmm. say I'm moving over, you know, go with me. What exactly do you want that left fielder to do? So basically I'm, I'm telling, I look at them and it's obviously a, when and you start playing in the stadiums where there's crowds, it's hard to hear. So you can't really talk to them out there. So I'd use hand signals and I'll just hold my gloves to the right and say, Hey, I'm, I'm over here. And then they'll usually take a few steps over. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a perfect science. It's no. not like, Hey, we're going to play this guy seven <laughs> feet, four inches to the right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you kind of move, you kind of move with each other. And yeah. then there's, there's other situations where, Hey, the right fielder might stay put because it's a left-handed hitter. He either, he's either going to hook the ball down the line or he's going to slice it to left field. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to center fielder. I'm going to move to the opposite field side of second base, but the right fielder, you stay there because he might get out front of one and hook one of course we'll give him the right center field gap and we'll cover the rest of it so and again that all comes with scouting reports and knowing mm-hmm. hitters and and also not and i told our guys we didn't have a ton of information this past year at rookie ball but i tell them like pay attention to the game mm-hmm. like w- watch the hitters what did he do his last at bat you know what i mean yeah studying you, for can, sure yeah can you tell something from his swing is he late is he early is he trying to inside out the ball is he trying to pull the ball all this stuff is stuff that you have to pay attention to throughout the game so that you can, without the someone handing you a piece of paper saying, here, here's where, where we want to play the guy, you can kind of figure it out on your own. And then, like we talked about uh, before we went on the air, it's just about your instinct. Just, just you know, you 
playing the game for a reason and you have instincts and you have to trust those as well. Of so. course, of course, definitely. Now, one thing I think is huge for, uh, you know, amateur ball players and, and, and amateur, you know, when I say amateur, you know, just let's say not professional um, at this point yet, but younger center fielders priority on plays, because I feel like there's, there's there's a lot of miscommunication with priority on plays. Being a center fielder, younger ball player, you you're a fast guy. You want to take everything. Yeah, you know you want to catch everything. You want to be the guy that makes the plays, and then you might just have your your left and right fielder be be backup type thing, right? Right. Um, I think, and I would like for you to maybe just touch on this in terms of just priority on plays because it's not always going to be your ball as a center fielder and being able to kind of swallow your pride and understand and know the situations when 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 it when it's the right time. Yeah. So obviously, the mentality that that I I like to think that I always had it's not I didn't always have it because we're human and we go through different <laughs> you know mental struggles and things like that but you know I want to catch every ball every single ball that's hit in the air is my ball now from the rule standpoint as far as like like priority rules in the outfield the center field has priority over the corners mm-hmm. and the infielders the outfielders have priority over the infielders the shortstop has priority over everybody in the infield, mm-hmm. um, depending on where the you know the, the balls hit. Yeah. Um, and then the corners have priority over the catcher, uh, and the catcher has priority over the pitcher. So no offense, pitchers, but get out of the way. That's, that's <laughs> <Right>? the idea. <laughs> Just throw the <laughs> ball. Don't worry about catching catch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know. So, so that would be the rule. That's, that's kind of the hierarchy, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, of, uh-huh. of the priority in the outfield is the center fielder kind of has, has priority over everybody. Now, where that changes is if, yeah, there's a lot of balls that I could get to that so can the other guy. So if, I, if I'm running after a ball and I check and see that he's camped, uh, then I'm going to let him have it. Mm-hmm. You know, even though, I know I, even though I could get there too, if he's camped under the ball, let him take it. Let them, let them, let them catch the ball. Um, same thing with the infielders. Sometimes outfielders, we get overzealous because we want to make every play mm-hmm. that we'll be running in hard on a ball and the, and the shortstop or second baseman is drifting out. Uh, you see it happen all the time in the big leagues. Second baseman's calling for it. He's waving his arms, even though he's still on the move, he's, he's waving his arms. So as, as an outfielder, if you see the guy waving his arms, if he's calling you off, let him take it. Yeah. Um, if you look at him and he's looking at you, <laughs> That means that he's probably not going to catch it. Yeah, so. yeah, no, definitely. But you don't want to be that outfielder coming in. You know, he's he might still be moving, waving his arms, and you come in, call him off last minute, and, and, and he jumps out of the way, and you slide for the ball and make some difficult play and right. hopefully catch it or even probably miss it. Right. Whose fault is that? Right. That's That would be our fault as yeah. outfielders. Yeah. Um, and you know, usually the infielder will look at him, look at you'll see him, will look at him, and be like, "Really, bro?" Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, look. So, I I like to think like if the guy that, you know, there's if you if myself and another guy are in the area of a fly ball, um, and I can get to it, and, you know, he's, you know, not if there's kind of like there's the the field is kind of separated into like quadrants, right? Like mm-hmm. imaginary lines going out from home plate out into the field so any ball from where the second baseman is playing to the shortstop is playing 
in between them, any ball hits the outfield is usually my ball. Um, any ball hit to the left of where the second, um, this is coming from the center fielder's perspective, any ball hit from to the left, my left of the second baseman where he's playing is probably going to be the right fielder's ball. And then any ball hit to the right of the, from where the shortstop is playing, depending on imagine assuming they're playing, you know, straight up, straight regular, up, yeah. depth, straight up, any ball hit to his right is going to be the left fielder's ball. Um, now with that said, I don't, that doesn't mean I'm going to be any less aggressive when the ball's hit, but as, as I'm reading the fly ball or as I'm going after the ball and trying to make a play, I'm also aware of my surroundings and understanding like, Hey, center fielders camped, even though I can make this play, he's camped. Like I'm going to let him have that. Um, because like you said, you don't want to look dumb. And also you don't want to, you know, be in a collision and get somebody seriously hurt. I mean, I've seen for sure. two guys calling for the ball and I'll, I'll get to my next point on the collision part in a sec, but I've seen that happen before where outfielders running in infielders running back. The infielder isn't paying attention. The outfielder's not paying attention. They're both looking at the ball and then smack, they smack into each other. And you know, one guy tore his ACL and was out for the season because of that, you Man, know, and that's, yeah, and that's definitely a, don't that's, want that. You're, and I got it. I got it. I got it away from not getting hurt right there. You yeah, know, of um, course, of course. And like I said, with that said, with the with the uh, communication and priority, if for all outfielders and infielders, if the center fielder calls the ball, get out of the way, regardless of if you're camped or not. Yeah. Um, get out of the way because if he calls it, he has the priority. Definitely, um, definitely, and that's and then, that's good for all these young players and, and center fielders, outfielders, even infielders for that matter. Listening to this, exactly what you just said. About, yeah. about the center fielder calling it get out of the way it's the center if, even if you're waiting even if you're you have a, a soda and you're in a lawn chair and you're waiting for the ball to come down and he calls it just move because mm-hmm. he's obviously booking <laughs> to yeah. get there and you don't want to be standing there when he runs into you um and if the ball falls in that's on the center fielder it's on them yeah you know um and same thing with the outfielders coming in on the infield if infielders if the outfielder calls the ball get out of the way regardless of if you're camped regardless if you're going to catch in your back pocket you know get out of the way if if the outfielder calls it so that goes with the priority like we talked about at the beginning of the segment as far as like outfielders over infielders infielders over pitcher and catcher stuff like that if those guys call it the guys with priority call it you have to get out of the way regardless definitely that's good stuff right there good stuff man i appreciate that that a little bit of insight now moving forward into outfield playing center field the first step you and I both know it's crucial. I mean, now you were blessed with incredible speed. Let's just be honest. Now there might not be a lot of center fielders out there with the speed that you have. I mean, we're all, we all have different levels of speed, right? Mm-hmm. Ideally we want to be the real, the fastest guy on the field as a center fielder, but it doesn't always work that way. And that first step is crucial. So if you want to maybe just kind of talk, talk a little bit about that in, in playing center field. Yeah, the uh, first step is the biggest. Is that's what we talk to our players and in the Indians organization about being the most important step is the first one. Uh, and I'll get into that a little bit later with the base running too. Mm-hmm. But with with outfield play, you know, how many times do we see a guy, or how many times have you and I missed the ball by an inch and yeah. because we got a bad first step? You <laughs> exactly. know, it, has, it happens has all the time. With, yeah, it has nothing to do with. Uh, you know the 30 yards that we ran to get it it was all in that first first step or two um, mm-hmm. is what allows you to catch a ball on the run or not catch a ball on the run so 
um, yeah, for we actually do drills like that. And, and when I work with our outfielders, um, first step drills, and it's literally a, they might run five yards total, but it's all in the first step. It, it, the whole drill has to do with their first step and their angle. That's that, that and see that's it and and you don't need to run fifteen twenty yards. It's like you just said, just that short distance because all you're focusing in on is that first step. So right, what let's dive a little bit into that that drill that you guys were using in the Indians organization is for that first step with your outfielders. What what exactly was that drill? So we call it like we we call it a drop step drill, and it's got a couple of variations. So a drop step is when you square up as if you know your pitcher's letting go of the ball, you're in ready position. And you would drop to over your shoulder to your right or left at a 45 degree angle. Mm-hmm. That's the that's like step one of the drill. And then we vary it to where we're dropping. Then we're going to turn and go straight back, um, and we're going to go side to side. And then we're also going to come in at 45 degree angle. So um, just and we what we do is instead of hitting the ball for consistency, we'll throw it. Let's toss um, it up we'll toss it out there, um, just for, so it's more consistent so mm-hmm. they can really get their work on their first step. And then we'll, we'll gradually build into like hitting a fungo or shooting a ball out of a Ponza so they can work on it at a more of a game speed, um, type thing. But, um, yeah, so basically it's what it is, is you get ready as if the pitcher's letting go of the ball and balls enters the hitting zone, you're ready to go. And then boom, you, you, you if I'm dropping, drop stepping to my right, um, over my right shoulder at a 45 degree angle, I want to keep my left foot planted in the ground and open up my right hip and my right foot into that 45 degree angle and push off my left foot. Drive off that backside. Yeah. Drive off the backside. And you don't want to gain too much ground with that first step because you don't want to, you want to keep your, your stride pattern correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also don't want to be too short in that first step because you don't want to cut yourself off. Yeah. Um, but you want to try to find a happy medium to where you're comfortable and then we'll after that first step they'll take off a couple steps we'll throw a ball out there and then we'll get it um then we'll come back and do the other side uh nice and yeah it's it's been hugely helpful a lot of kids uh even at the pro level man they they do what we call a false step which is (laughs) they'll they'll hop instead of step yeah and what i tell our kids is in in a game situation and at game speed you're probably going to hop a little bit just because it's a reaction Mm mm-hmm uh, but for the sake of the drill, always keep that plant foot planted in the ground and just open up one side. And yeah. what that's doing for them is just teaching them the correct technique um, so that they don't get into bad habits. Yeah. And it just all starts with working on those drills and practice and, and right. like like we're talking about right there. So that's, that's, right. that's a really good drill. I like that one a lot. Um, and moving into fly ball routes, mm-hmm. um, you know, fly ball, ground ball routes. Um, there's so many different things, obviously, we could talk about, but what are some, what are some, what are a couple of your top, top drills, your, your favorite drills to work on with center fielders, outfielders, um, on fly ball routes and ground ball routes? So for fly balls, what I like to do, uh, is I'll either hit a fungo or put, use a Ponza machine, which will shoot fly balls out there, mm-hmm. um, what I like to do is I'll shoot it or I'll hit it and they have to take their eye off of it and run to the spot that they think it's coming down. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll look back up and you'd be surprised the ball will land 30 feet away from where they stop. <laughs> now, and what is that where it, I know, but for the listeners sake, what is that working on? So that's working on them 
so I'll shoot the ball. They'll get like 1001, 1002 to figure out the trajectory, mm-hmm. you know, the flight time, uh, the height of the ball, whether it's more on a line, whether it's up high, um, you know, the speed, all that stuff. And they have to f- try to figure out where it's going to come down. So what that does for them is that they can, they're able to read a ball off the bat within the first two or three steps and be able to take their eye off it as if a ball in the game was hit over their head or hit to the side of them to where they have to take their eye off it to, to, to run it down. Um, sure. and that's been really cool. The guys have a lot of fun with it cause they all rag on each other all the time. Um, <laughs> <I'm> but <sure. laughs> it's been good because you really have to, you really have to pay attention to the first couple seconds that the balls hit. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and that really helps because then once we let them start to see the ball the whole way, Mm-hmm. It's like it's amazing at to how much better they are at tracking the ball when they get to look at it the whole way after not looking at it. Yeah, it makes it um, just a little bit easier. Yeah, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, and also, too, like we talked about at the beginning, it's the first step or two yep. is what's going to determine whether you catch the ball or not on a, on a tough play. Yeah, definitely. So that really helps them figure out where I need to get to right away. I need to figure out where I need to be mm-hmm. to, to catch this ball. Um, and then, so that's what we do for the fly ball stuff. Um, and for the ground ball stuff, we have a, we do a thing that we call the ground ball routine where I'll hit fungos at them. I'll hit three right at them, three to their right, three to their left. Um, and I've varied that. I've made it 10 right at them, 10 to their right, yeah. 10 to their left. You can make whatever number you want. But, uh, and what that does and what we teach is, you know, when I was coming up as a, as an outfielder, I was taught to get around the ball in the mm-hmm. outfield at, on the ground. Um, now, we all were. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, 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 and what the only problem with that is that it takes you longer to get to the ball if you're getting around it. Mm-hmm. And as you know, it was cool this past year, I was able to coach third base and I got to see the game from a different perspective over there. I am more likely as a third base coach to hold somebody up if I see the ball in the air from a throw. Mm hmm than if I see the ball in their glove. And so if they're going, if they're working, if the ball's hit to their right or left and they're working to get around the baseball to come through it forward, mm-hmm. that's a good two or three seconds that the ball is not in the air because they're still working to get around it. Um, what yeah. we teach our guys is to cut everything off, take a good angle and cut everything off. Um, so take a sharper angle, take a sharper the angle. Ball. Right. I got it. Yeah. More towards the ball. Um, and the reason why is because you get to the ball quicker and you get it in quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, a ball in the air is going to is a ball in the air from a throw is going to more likely hold runners. Um, even guys with cannons, you know, there's a lot of, especially with these young guys, they have such good arms and they love to test you. You know, mm-hmm. they love to like bait you. <laughs> and it's like, if you're not letting go of the ball, I don't care how strong your arm is. I'm sending the runner. Yeah, of course. Like, because then you got to be Because, yeah, you better get rid of that ball quick and you right. better be on point with your accuracy. Right. You got to be accurate. And that's, that's what kind of going into the routes with the ground balls and fly balls into the throwing side. We, we, teach, we teach quickness and accuracy. Mm-hmm. We don't teach strength. Like, you don't only – there's only a handful of guys that we've ever – heard of like Vlad Guerrero's of the world yeah that can throw somebody out from a knee at the at the warning track you know yeah, what I mean? the Raul Mondesi's and Vladimir right. Guerrero's yeah right. <laughs> everybody else is needs to be quick and accurate mm-hmm. um and I think that 
Like, so that's what we, what we really stress. And, and arm strength is a plus. I'm not telling guys not to have strong arms. Um, but you have to get to the ball and get it out mm-hmm. because that, because your job as an outfielder is done. Once you hit the cutoff, man, you know, yeah. uh, that's another huge thing that we stress, even at the pro level, hit the cutoff, man, hit the cutoff, man, hit the cutoff, man. Yeah. Um, that's huge. And, and, right. and at any level, not even just the pro level, these young right. guys, you know, for younger up and coming outfielders, you know, that's the thing is like you were saying, guys with stronger arms, they want to, you know, they, they tend to want to test, test the runners right. and, and, and right. want to just show those arms off and just try to cannon it all the way to, you know, second, third home, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. And in reality, you know, at the highest levels, you want to focus on throwing it at your cutoff through your cutoff right through um, your cutoff man yeah. you know and so that so that those runners you know we could hopefully you know keep those runners at bay so right mm-hmm. and i and i think it's I, it's important to stress that we do teach that at the pro level because you know like like you just said some of the times the young kids they see these guys throw hose people on sports center all the time mm-hmm. and you know like the, the dude loriano from oakland that threw that back uh doubled off Eric oh Jr. yeah first yeah. base like he did he, he missed a, he missed about nine cutoffs uh, but it worked right yeah so it's yeah. like we see that and it's uh-huh. like oh i can do that yeah, exactly it's like no like we that's like a once in a exactly. lifetime kind of throw yep so yeah we we stress it man even even our, our pro guys we tell them we want you guys to hit the cutoff man your job as an outfielder is to get to the ball as quickly as you can under control and get it in as quickly as you can with accuracy. Yeah, and you had already and just touched on that a little bit, but the quick release and getting it in, just getting it out of your hands because that's as an outfielder's job is to feel the ball cleanly and get it to the infield. Right. And how do we do so as an outfielder? And you guys were working on this in the Indians organization is that quick release, um, sharper angles, getting to the ball quicker and getting rid of it. And a lot of players, we, we hear as outfielders, we hear this. Yeah, we'll get rid of the ball quicker, quicker release. Right. What are some of the things that you guys are implementing in um, at the pro level that these younger players could could benefit from with um, with drills or techniques to help them with a quicker release and getting rid of that ball quicker? So we do um, like when I was talking about the ground ball routine where I go straight at them side to side, mm-hmm. um, we work on backhands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to the arm side, uh, balls hit to their arm side. They're going to backhand that ball, use their feet. Um, so it's more, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quicker to backhand that ball instead of try to come around it and field it in front of you. So you, you backhand, it's like a one, two step and throw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to the glove side, it's a, it's a spin. So you'll field it out in front of you, you'll spin and it turns into a one, two step and throw. Yeah. Um, so pretty much like the the time that you have the ball in your possession as an outfielder has everything to do with your footwork uh if (laughs) it's huge yes yeah yeah if if your footwork is on point then you'll get rid of the ball quickly uh if it's not you're going to take longer to get rid of the ball so we do a lot of stuff we do a lot of no ball stuff where it's just footwork we're just working on footwork so like i'll be like hey ground ball to your backhand they'll take three steps to their backhand with no ball you know, and simulate fielding a ball and using their feet, simulate a throwing motion. Um, and then same thing to the, to the glove side, the spin. So we really stress footwork is so important because if your feet are on point, your arm will catch up. 
Yeah. Um, your arm will catch up to your feet. If your feet, your, your arm goes as fast as your feet do. So if your feet are quick and efficient, your arm's going to be quick and efficient. If your feet are slow and inefficient, your arm's going to be slow. And inefficient. I love that. I love that. That's, that's yeah. huge. And I think that's, that is so great right there. That that's such valuable information for younger coaches or just younger players and coaches in general that are, or even parents that are looking to help their kids out. You know, that's, that's something I, I think is so easily overlooked. You know, you think, well, how do I get rid of the ball quicker? You know, is it, is it, uh, how I grab it out of my glove? Is it how I field it? But it's even before that, it's the footwork, like, like right. exactly what you were saying, putting yourself in a better position to get rid of the ball quicker. That'll help right. you get rid of it. So that's, that's huge, man. I like, I really you like just, that one. You just hit it perfectly. It's you're, you're trying to put yourself in a better position, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the way we do that, it starts with our feet because we have to get to the ball with our feet. So that's where it starts. That's awesome. That's great, man. I appreciate that one. Now, pregame as an outfielder, uh, center fielder, let's just, let's just, let's just focus on center field right now. Um, in pregame, um, you know, even at the highest levels you're doing pregame, whether it's before the game, early on during BP, whatever it may be, um, mm-hmm. What is your focus during pregame? And, and sure, there's different routines in pregame for um, for different levels and, and teams and whatnot. But you know, you usually get a ball right at you, ground ball to the side, um, fly balls at you into the gaps. What are you What are you focusing on in pregame? Usually, you know, you have to throw to a couple bases and maybe home. Um, mm-hmm. What's your mindset in pregame as a center fielder? So I'll start with the the throwing to bases part. Um, Again, another thing that that I like to do is, as an outfielder, I never had the strong. I wasn't known for my arm strength, so I had to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I like to do is I like to play games with myself. I'm going to try to one hop. I'm going to be 30 feet away from you, and I'm going to try to one hop you. So yeah. I'm I'm throwing the ball with touch, um, mm-hmm. trying to be accurate. Even though I could throw it 30 feet in the air, I'm going to still try to one hop you because in the game, yeah, it's going to be about 170 feet. And I'm going to have to one hop you. So discipline. I'm, yeah. So I'm working on my touch. I'm working on my accuracy as far as like, okay, how much do I need to put on this ball to get a nice, a good one hop to the, to the infielder. Yeah. Um, and then, so during pregame, uh, they, you know, infield outfield, stuff like that. Um, even we even teach our kids now, Hey, we want to see one hop. So I don't care if you can throw it all the way. Can you, can you one hop <laughs> the guy? Can you bounce it in a position on the field to where he can catch it and make a tag? Yeah. Um, so we want to make their job easier. We want to make the infielders jobs easier. So, um, there's so many times where guys try to throw it all away and it ends up short hopping the guy and, you know, ball gets away and stuff like that. So we tell them that work on your touch, work on your accuracy. So that's first thing in pregame. Um, we would throw to bases and I would try to one hop everything. Um, unless I'm, unless it's a cutoff, man, I'm trying to throw it through his forehead, but if I'm throwing all the way to the base, I'm trying to one hop the base, uh, and I, a long hop, one long hop, not a, not yeah. a short hop. Um, and then, uh, as far as like taking balls, the most important thing an outfielder can do in preparation is take balls off the bat during batting practice. Huge. Go, Huge. go to your position and play it like a game, you know, and it's not every ball that's hit, but pick, pick a pitch. Okay. This is game situation. Boom. Balls hit. I run it down. I make my way back to my spot. Three or four pitches goes by. Okay, boom, I'm ready for the next one. Um, try that. That's what we tell our guys. That's what I learned coming up is balls off the bat during batting practice is how you become an elite outfielder. You have to practice that uh, because fungos are great. 
for for fundamental work um you know balls out of the machine up in the air are great for things fundamentally you're working on ground balls off of out of you know from a fungo are good for your footwork but there's no speed like game speed and bp balls off the bat is the closest thing you're going to get to game speed so um that's that that's probably number one on the list is take balls off the bat with intent and and focus um and and you know take that seriously uh don't just stand in the outfield and talk to the pitchers they love to talk out there yeah you know yeah. i'm out of the way that's and, so you know so valuable right there what you said i i couldn't agree more with like a million percent over with that man because i remember coming up and i remember taking complete advantage of batting practice just being in the outfield kind of hanging out just kind of time to relax and right. it wasn't until i started understanding with through coach some good coaches and even other other um, players that were um, a little more experienced than me and really showing me and teaching me that batting practice there's there's no better substitute than during batting practice practice to go out to your position and field it and, and and really just work on your 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 first step your 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 routes and all those types of things are so important like you said about batting practice i mean there's no substitute yeah outside and of the game. I, you're right you're 100 percent right and i think that like you said a, a lot of times you know you find yourself out there just kind of hanging out and um and and for me like i tell our guys like i don't we're not trying to kill you guys out here you know mm-hmm. you take one group of bp and play it like a game and like i said it's every fifth or sixth pitch it's not every single pitch um so that you can really i'd rather see and i I tell them this all the time i'd rather see 10 great reps than 30 mediocre reps yeah like quality over quantity right i mean just let's get out of here you know yeah 10 reps in like (laughs) be efficient with our time here be efficient right yeah let's get to work and then we don't have to be out here for three hours doing this you know yeah Um, definitely and that that's kind of something that that's been big for me is just just work hard focus i always tell the guys i try to keep everything in perspective like give me 30 minutes of your time right now out of your 24-hour day (laughs) give me 30 good minutes and we'll be done you know exactly Um, and i think there's time you know where more time on the field is is beneficial and then there's time where less time on the field is beneficial depending on what you're working on so that's good we do a lot of stuff that's more than 30 minutes too um but something i'll I'll break it down to them it's like look this is like literally 10 minutes out of your day Mm -hmm. let's just let's do this focus give me 100 percent, play it like a game and then and then we'll be done so for sure um but yeah like just to reiterate your point like take take outfielders if you're, if you're listening, take balls off the bat as much as you can. Yeah. Whether it's, take you know, whether it's practice, you know, even if, you know, a lot of these younger players are practicing nowadays, four or five practices with three or two or three games a week. And right. it's utilizing that time. If, if, you know, you guys are taking BP on the field, you know, go out right. there and, 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 and get some, get some valuable work in. Don't, don't, right. don't, don't be, you know, playing grab ass. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Don't so. mess, use that time. Use yeah. that time. Yeah, it's only going to benefit It's going to help you. For right? sure. So transitioning that now as a center fielder into hitting, okay? Mm-hmm. As a center fielder, you're typically going to be known as what? The, the Correct me if I'm wrong, J.O., but the, you know, the leadoff or nine-hole guy, maybe a two-hole guy. Um, but that right. whole mindset and game plan and strategy when it comes to hitting as being a center fielder. 
Um, so if I'm it's depending on where I hit in the lineup, I was usually hitting leadoff or in the nine hole. Um, and the leadoff hitter for me, it was more about my team than it was about me. My my first at bat of that game was, you know, okay, my teammates are going to learn something from my at bat. Um, I'm trying to help the next guy, you know, like selfless, and, man. Yeah. It, and it's, it's a tough, it's a really hard game to be selfless, in, you know, and I <laughs> failed at it many a times. Oh, yeah, um, we all did. But as I, as I, you know, got older in my career, that first at bat of the game for a leadoff hitter is more about everybody else than it is about them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, seeing pitches doesn't mean don't be aggressive. Um, you know, if you take if you take the first pitch of the game and it's strike one, okay, now you're down 0-1. I'm not asking you to look at another one. I mean, shoot, if he throws one in the zone, you know, put a good swing on it. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's different different times where I would look to be more aggressive. Maybe, hey, we just faced this guy last week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we've all seen him. So I'm going to look, look for get a good pitch on that first pitch of the game and try to hit a double or something. Um, and then there's times where like, hey, I've never seen this guy before. So I'm going to at least see one pitch. Um, and then depending on my assessment of that pitch, I might have to see another one. <laughs> Maybe exactly. I didn't see that one. Yeah. Uh, so it's all about understanding who you're going against, understanding the situation of the game, whether it's the first inning. Um, I always tried to prepare myself. So I would come in in like the fourth inning and look, okay, I'm up sixth this inning. So mm-hmm. that means like there's a chance at me batting sixth, there's a chance I could hit with the bases loaded two outs with nobody having scored yet. Yes. So I would try to play that in my head. Or, hey, it's we're down three to two. It's the eighth inning. I'm up second next inning. I mm-hmm. might sack. I might have to bunt. So I'm preparing myself for that at bat yeah just you know just in case i want to be ready for it hey i might have to bunt so get our mind right you know or sure hey i might be coming up with runners on base and two outs let's get our mind right so just the preparation again it goes hand in hand with the defense it's all about preparing and being ready for the situation yeah definitely um and playing the game in your head you know play the game in your head lead off hitter you're the first hitter of the game nobody's seen anything you come back hey i just punched out i had a seven pitch at bat but i struck out I'm still going to tell my teammates, hey, his fastball runs a little bit. He's got like a 12-6 curveball. I never, I didn't see the change up. Um, you know, things like that. Like, you want to giving that valuable feedback team. and helping them right. out for sure. Yeah, right. You want to try to help your teammates, um, and also too, pay attention to the odd deck circle. You know, mm-hmm. if you're the first hitter of the game, no one's ever seen this guy before. Watch him warm up. Yeah. What pitches is he warming up? You know, get your timing. Uh, is he does he have a cutter did he warm up a cutter did he warm up a split or was it a change up or does he have a slider or a curveball or both um does he have a, a two seam fastball or a four seam fastball or both you know you want to have kind of an idea when you walk up to the plate what what you're about to see yeah so. and that preparation you know just i think across the board when you you know talking with with guys like yourself is is it's so valuable because a lot i think a lot of younger players just overlook the the preparation they they f- tend to focus on a couple of things and then everything else is just uh, secondary. And, and that preparation with every little detail, whether it's going out and playing the outfield or 
you know, leading off an inning and, and being on deck or whatever it may be, you know, mm. things like that, that preparation is so key. And it's, it's, it, it, it just, it can't be stressed enough for sure. Right. And also remembering, you know, like, you know, a lot of these, these kids, um, you know, they play in travel ball tournaments where they're playing the same teams mm-hmm. and the same, you know, and the players are moving from last week, John Smith was on this team and this week he's playing for this team. And I remember him, we faced him last week for the other team. Yeah. Here's, here's what he's got. You know, like remembering, paying attention, quick story. I heard about Manny Ramirez when he was coming up, he was in double a for like the hour that he was in double a, <laughs> um, he, he faced a guy and the guy got him out with changeups. Six years later, he's in the big leagues. And he oh. faces the same guy. And he's like, this guy got me out with a changeup six years ago. I'm going to sit on changeup. So his first at bat, he strikes out looking on three fastballs. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for his changeup. The next at bat, changeup first pitch, three run homer. Wow. Like, That's unreal. <laughs> yeah, because he's, because he's not only he paid attention, he has a plan, he's prepared, and he executed that plan, you know? And, like, so that's, you know, and I'm not telling kids to look No, but that's huge, though, having that plan and executing it and sticking with it, you know? That's an example, right, of, like, hey, I'm going to sit on change-up because this is how this guy got me out six years ago. Yeah. And it's like, wow. Being a student of the game, for sure, like, kind of what you're saying, you know? Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's huge. So base running and your expectations, um, being a center fielder, you know, you're considered the fastest one on the field, if not the, you know, if not one of the fastest, um, you know, sure. Yeah. You can be a fast guy, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be, uh, swiping a ton of bags and, and being a threat on the bases, taking extra bases. Um, what types of things, um, types of tips and, and, and things could you, um, give to our listeners and our outfielders that are listening on, on what's it look for as, as, as an outfielder on the basis, a center fielder in particular on the basis. So our job is as a leadoff hitter type, um, is to get on base first and then second to get into scoring position. So the big boppers can drive us in. That's, that's our job. Uh, you know, they look at the leadoff hitters on base percentages, like his number one stat, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> And so to get on base first, and then once you're on base, again, going back to the, that famous word of the day, you know, be prepared. What Are you ready to run on the first pitch? That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, nowadays, with everyone wearing all the body armor and stuff, and they're putting, they take off all their gear, and then I coached first two years ago, so I used to look like <laughs> a transformer <laughs> on first base. That's guys. great. That's um, <laughs> But so they give you all their gear and then they got to put on their wrist guard. And now the count's one and one before they're even ready to go. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. it's like, dude, like you got to come down the line being ready to run on the first pitch. One thing that I've noticed, even at the pro level, is we as base runners give pitchers too much credit. Mm-hmm. The pitcher already lost to you. That's why you're there. So he's worried about the next guy. And we always think like, oh, he's going to try to trick me or, you know, he's probably not even thinking about you. <laughs> he's he's come true, set and true, he looks down at his shoulder because he's that's what he's taught to do. Um, he's not looking at you. He doesn't know if you're four feet off the bag or if you're 11 feet off the bag. Mm-hmm. Like more, more times than not, sometimes they'll look, but we give them a little bit too much credit. So 
Um, be always stay aggressive on the bases. Um, your goal every single pitch is to advance 90 feet. Mm-hmm. You know whether that's on a on a ball in the dirt, whether that's a stolen base, um, is to cause havoc because you want to be known as a guy that causes havoc. Because guess what? If you're on first base and everyone knows that you might steal a bag, the pitcher is going to throw a fastball, and the hitter is going to get a great pitch to hit. Yeah, because they don't want to they don't want to throw a breaking ball to let you steal second. More chance than more often than not, they're going to throw something hard because that helps the catcher. Yeah, you know, for sure. catch and throw. So, um, you want to be known as a guy that causes, causes some havoc on the bases. Um, but, but yeah, don't give him too much credit. Be ready to run on the first pitch pitchers times to home plate. The first pitch of the, at bat, once there's a runner on base is always the slowest time. Is that right? Huh? The yeah. first pitch. Interesting. The that's, first pitch. So you walk or get a base hit, you're standing on first base. The next pitch thrown to the hitter is always going to be his slowest time. Because he's because he is already in his own head about the you're at bat, correct? Right, right. It takes him a pitch or two to remember that you're over there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, he might pick over true. because the coach told him to, uh-huh. or the catcher put down the thumb. But it's always the slowest, and then it's like, okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna start quick pitching. You know, got it. But it was weird. We timed it last year and the year before, and it was like, dude, every time this guy's a one four five to home on the first pitch, and all the other pitches he's a one two. Wow. Wow. So, for base stealers, make sure you're ready to run on that first pitch because that's huge. You might that might be your best chance. Yeah, you know? that's huge, man. That's a, that's a good uh, good bit of advice and a little tip right there for any any outfielders listening to this for sure. So and as also a, yeah, go ahead. I, no. You don't mind? I'd like to expand. Sometimes we get um, we shy away from running on hitter advantage counts. So like two zero count. 3-0 count, 3-1 counts. A lot of organizations will run on 3-0 or 3-1, 3-1, 2 It's kind of a mandatory run count mm-hmm. um, just because the hitter's going to get a good pitch to hit and he puts it in play and you're on the move, then we got some action. Yeah. Um, but the 3-0 count, okay, the, the 2-0 count, those are going to be fastballs most likely. So people are kind of shy away from running because you know you're getting a fastball here. But the pitcher doesn't want to get to 3-0, and he doesn't want to walk the hitter you know, from 3-0. So he's going to take his time. He's going to take a little bit longer um, to make his pitch because he wants to throw a strike. Yeah. So those are also kind of something that I've learned as a coach. I didn't really think about this as a player much. but That's so true. Two, that's really that's huge. 2-0 and 3-0, like, look to run. For sure. Because... <laughs> You know, because let's say it's 3-0, the hitter's taken all the way. Well, the pitcher's a 1-6 to home. Yeah. Now he's now the hitter's hitting in a 3-1 count with a runner in scoring position. That's that that is that right there is huge. And you know, I never really thought of it until you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And and likewise for yourself until you started coaching. But and that that is that's amazing. And it, if you really think about it, it's it just it makes complete sense. You know, if putting yourself in a pitcher's um, you know. Um, pitcher shoes, for example, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you're going to take your time. You don't want to walk the guy. You don't want to go to three and zero. And then on the reverse, as a base runner, you know, say you do run on that count, pit, uh, the batter's going to be getting a fastball. Mm-hmm. He gets a good pitch to hit. He puts it in play, base hit, let's say, 
Now you've already been, you've already taken off. Now you're going to take that extra base, whereas you might not have if you didn't if you didn't run. Right now it's first and third, mm-hmm. um, and and it could be one of those situations where you you're in motion and the second baseman has to cover, and the guy hits a ground ball right at the, where the second baseman was. Now it's a base hit. Now it's first and third. You know, yeah, I mean, there's sure. so many different things that can happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, you run on an advantage hitter advantage count. He's going to get a good pitch to hit. Now you're in motion. We got action, and. Yeah you know, you're clapping hands in the dugout. <laughs> yeah. Being disrupt, being disruptive, like you said, for sure. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. So some takeaways on for, for our listeners here, some takeaways on just becoming a better center fielder and you know, off season or quote unquote off season for these, uh, for these guys that are playing year round, um, their, their focus, what would you say? So I would say focus on, on your first step. Um, that's that's big um take as many balls as you can off the bat um if you take batting practice um you know if i mean dude it could be something as as silly as have your little sister hit wiffle balls out you know just seeing the ball off the bat just seeing the trajectory reacting to swings reacting to timing things like that yeah um because you want you want to keep your body moving in a reaction type state because in the game it's all reaction yeah. you're reacting to everything so if i tell you i'm gonna hit a ball to your right you already know where it's going but if your sister's swinging a wiffle bat <laughs> you have no idea where it's going you yeah. really do have to react yeah, of so course. um so take as much take take as many balls as you can live um off the bat and if you can I know it's a little bit harder with some of the travel ball stuff because they don't have a ton of information, but I know that you're also at the ball, you're at the ballpark all day because you play three games or something yeah. like that. So go watch these other games. You know, hey, we're playing, you know, the San Diego Reds later tonight, and they're playing right now. We don't have a game. I'm gonna go watch. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go take note. Not you don't have to literally write down notes, but take some mental notes. You know, okay, hey, this kid, he can run or. Hey, this kid pulls everything. Yeah. So when we play them later tonight, I'm going to play him pull, you know, or little things like that. For um, sure. Those are, those are, those are, that's huge right there. That's, that's a good bit of information, man. I, that's yeah, that's just, good stuff. I tell our guys all the time, watch the game. Even when you're not playing, when, when you're not up to bat or on deck um, and you're not in the field, pay attention, watch the game, you know, like play the game in your head, different situations, different things going on. Yeah. Like, you know, be a, like you said, you said it earlier perfectly, be a student of the game, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, and, and, and when you're not playing, when you're not actually involved in a game going on, being a student of the game, like you just said, in, in a lot of these um, competitive travel ball club organizations all around mm-hmm. the country now, you know, they're playing in these tournaments and showcases where a team they might be playing, they might, you know, you might be facing that team in the next bracket or, or whatnot. Right. And just, just watching both sides and, and taking mental notes, like you said, is huge. Um, that's, um, and then, and then that story about Manny just, taking notes while you're playing teams and because you never know who you're going to run into, you know, down the road. Right. So, right. And, huge. and to like to kind of put it in perspective, like I'm not saying sit on the side to watch the game for nine innings. Don't speak, <laughs> don't laugh, don't talk, yeah. like have fun, hang out with your friends. I know it's travel ball. It's a once in a lifetime experience. Like enjoy the experience most of all. Um, but 
it's it's not hard to sit and eat some nachos and watch a baseball game you know what i mean yeah it's exactly <laughs> just kind of hang out and, and like we like we said take some mental notes pick some different things that you like or don't like or that you would change or i would do this in this situation or where am i going to play this guy but yeah. enjoy it you know what i mean because yeah. it's i mean you and i both played a long time and it's already over yeah and so you get that short window um, right you have a short window man so make sure you enjoy it but definitely. at the same time really work and prepare to be definitely. the best player that you can be definitely well that's good stuff brother so one last bit um one last thing i'm going to ask you being being that the fact that you all the experience that you've had um growing up through baseball um and then through the system the big leagues and now you're coaching at the professional level from your perspective what skills and attributes create what what skills and attributes does the ideal center fielder um have these days from from your perspective let's say so i would say instincts is number one um and you know what's funny is you asked me that question 10 years ago i would have said speed is number one (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that, that right there is a good piece of information for these listeners to hear right there. Right. Okay. Cause I mean, that's a little <laughs> hindsight right there. Instincts is number one. Um, you have to be instinctual and you have to trust them. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, and part of that is just not thinking, man, like balls hit, I'm just going to go get it, yeah. you know? Um, and let me just to clarify that not thinking part, there's a difference between preparing and and being ready for the play and and then making the play yeah you when you prepare and you get ready for the play you think when you make the play you don't um and the reason why you don't have to think is because you've already prepared so you've already played that scenario out in your head right you Mm -hmm. just go you just trust your instincts um so instincts is number one um i would say that probably speed is number two um you know to be able to run run balls down is huge you look at a guy like billy hamilton yeah he's in with the cincinnati reds right now in my opinion he could hit zero for the rest of his career and still have a job in the big leagues because he can run it down with the best of them yeah. and you know if the game is about saving runs so if you can save runs um saving runs is more important than producing runs mm-hmm. yeah no definitely now and what you said just touching on on that with instincts and speed now combining those two is just a deadly combo because not only do you now have the instincts but you have the speed as well to add to that and it just makes you just a complete threat out there in the outfield right yeah i mean and and you don't and the thing is in my opinion to play center field you you can you can play center field with instincts and i don't want to say no speed but the speed isn't isn't um a must but Mm -hmm. i don't think you can play center field without instincts yeah so you can be the fastest guy in the world and not be a good center fielder yeah no i Um, i I agree with you because if i compared my speed to your speed back when we were playing you were definitely a lot faster than me but we you know me coming up as a center fielder as well and you when you and i played against each other i was mostly in the corners but I wasn't the fastest guy. I mean, there's plenty of guys that were a lot faster than me, but I do, I did take pride in having the instincts and kind of visualizing and playing out um, scenarios in my head prior to the situation. So I think that right. kind of gave me that advantage. Um, 
not being the, you know, the fastest guy out there, but I was quick, not as fast as you. So, but no, I agree completely with you with that for sure. Right. So, um, and then, and then too, like leadership, you know, um, and leadership doesn't mean with your voice necessarily, um, being a good teammate, uh, which I think it goes for all positions in baseball. One thing in our organization we really stress is team first approach. Mm-hmm. Um, are you playing for the guy next to you or are you just playing for yourself? Yeah. You know, um, and it, you know, what's crazy about that. And this kind of goes with baseball in my opinion, um, in general, not, not necessarily only center fielders, but people all, you know, everyone wants to look at the, at the end of the season, at the back of their baseball card and look at their numbers and so it can be an individual selfish game. Of course. It, it's just one of those games. You know, if I strike out four times, that doesn't affect you. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. That's me. Um, so it, it can be that way. But if you play the game to help your team win, to impact the game for your from a team perspective, your stats will be better. Like that numbers on the back of that card will look better if you take that approach. If you take that team first approach. Um, and so that's good. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm talking like moving runners over, um, you know, taking good at bats for the team, like sacrifice bunts, things like that. Like if you're, you're helping try to try to try to make an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. However you can do that. Hitting is hard. Hitting's really hard. Um, you know, baseball is the only game in the world where the defense controls the ball. All the other games, the offense controls it. Yeah. So hitting is really hard. Once the ball leaves your bat, you, it's out of your control. So you could hit five balls on the nose and go for five, and you have nothing to show for it offensively. But you go into the outfield and make a play and save a run, or you throw somebody out, or you steal a base and score a run, something like that. Like you make an impact on the game. So try to make an impact on the game any way you can every day. Yeah, that's. That's huge. And I, I, I know that a lot of younger ball players coming up, you know, they, they fight that as well. You know, I think every ball player does. And that's, that's, you know, some might hear it more than others, but that's, that's really valuable information and insight right there on just being able to help out any way possible and be, and just show that those leadership qualities through your actions, whether, whether or not, you know, it's, you know, immediately affecting you, you know, I think that's, 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 that's something that goes unsaid for sure. That's, that's really good. So awesome stuff, brother. Um, you know, I just first wanted to, you know, just thank you so much for coming on board. Um, this is, this has been a great, great episode and experience, uh, for myself learned a lot. And I think you really shared a lot of good information, a lot of great experience as well and insight on, um, just the overall game from a player and coach's perspective and, you know, from outfield to, to, to the mindset, to base running, to hitting all those types of things. You really hit, um, hit a lot of things on the nose. So, want to appreciate you and just say thank you for uh taking some time out of your off season as a coach now and hey, my um, pleasure you know, man it's, and joining it's a, us it's an absolute pleasure so, dude anytime so i appreciate it brother and um until next time man um enjoy the rest of your off season and thanks again for uh for joining us absolutely dp thanks brother for all having right, brother. me jo take care bud all right man later
Well, there you go, guys. That's it for today's episode. And I really hope you all love this one and found it as valuable as I did. I'd be extremely grateful if you just shared this episode with a few teammates, friends, family that you know could benefit from this show. Take a screenshot, tag myself. Let me know what you thought of this episode as well. Be sure to go over to iTunes, hit that subscribe button and leave me a review. I'd really, really appreciate it. So for more on the game, go follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Paralysis Performance for training videos, coaching tips, and much more. And at Twitter at road to the show pod so until next time guys keep pushing forward and stay hungry and humble